podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. What's good, boys and girls? Two for the podcast on Friday, the 5th of November, brought to you by EPLindex.com and a presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. That's a virtual privacy network which allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from. UK expats can access Sky Go, BBC iPlayer, ITV Hub and more. For Irish expats, you can get the RTE Player, American expats, the likes of Hulu. HBO, all your good stuff, Peacock, and obviously access to the US sports as well. So check out LibertyShield.com. Use the code EPLPOD, E-P-L-P-O-D, to get 50% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And lastly, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops which you can find on Etsy. Right, folks. So uh, it looks like Newcastle are finally going to appoint a manager. However, it looks like they have made themselves, I think, a mistake and going for Eddie Howe. Um, Howe has agreed a deal in principle, a two and a half year contract to become Toon manager. He will not take charge of this weekend's game. He will have the international break to work with the players and take over. Now, I aired some of my concerns on this podcast this week. I also aired some of them on Twitter over the over the last couple of days. Got a, a, quite a bit of pushback from uh, well, the Little Englanders, obviously. And then, obviously, some of the online recruitment consultant guys who I can only assume have done work for Bournemouth in the past trying to defend Howe's recruitment and then confusing themselves by wanting to talk about the players he bought in the championship. There's no doubt that the likes of Callum Wilson and Ryan Fraser are good players and Howe did well to bring them in, Matt Ritchie as well. But they were championship players that he bought in the championship. They weren't players he bought in the Premier League when he squandered well over £100 million. They tried to give him credit for players who were sold for a profit despite massively underperforming at Bournemouth. Tyron Mings, Aaron Ramsdale. They tried to give him credit for players who performed after he left but were dreadful while he was there. Eddie Howe didn't buy those players for the next guy. Eddie Howe bought them for himself. He bought them to help him, not the next guy or the one after that. So I can only assume that these people worked in the Bournemouth recruitment department during Eddie Howe's tenure or have friends that did and want to push the stench away. But there's just no way to avoid it. There's absolutely no way to avoid the fact 
that Eddie Howe's recruitment as manager of Bournemouth was dreadful. Tyron Mings, eight million in the loan of Ryan Fraser, he was awful for them. Max Gradle, seven million, awful. Lee Tomlin, three million, awful. Benicophobi, dreadful. I know they got their money back, but he was dreadful. Lewis Graban didn't play well for them at all. At all. Sylvan Distan and Arthur Boric on, on free transfers, poor signings on big wages. Lise Musset didn't perform for them. Jordan Ibe, one of the worst transfers in the history of the football, the football league. Uh, Brad Smith for six million a year after Liverpool had released him and then signed him back, basically to be a training player. Mark Wilson for two million, Shanghai out the door as soon as they could. They brought in Aaron Ramsdale for a million. Yes, they sold him for 18 million. He was the worst keeper in the league and played a big part in getting you relegated. Nathan Aki was a good signing. Asmir Begovic was a disaster. David Brooks was a good signing. Diego Rico was a bad signing. Jefferson Lerma was a good signing, but you overpaid. Solanke was a bad signing. It doesn't matter if he's playing well in the championship. He wasn't bought to play in the championship. He was bought to be a Premier League striker. And we've seen that that's not what he is. Now, maybe if they come back up, maybe he will be. But maybe not. Chris Meffin for 12 million when they could have brought Esri Konza. I was told Bournemouth can't compete with the likes of Aston Villa. Well, first of all, they bought Meffin six months before Konza actually left. So they could have bought Konza at the time without Villa being involved because Villa were in the championship. But apparently newly promoted Villa had more pull than five years in the Premier League Bournemouth. This is despite the fact that Lloyd Kelly a year later, would turn down Champions League winners Liverpool to join Bournemouth. Um, Lloyd Kelly bought him, rarely played him. Yes, he's done well in the Championship as a centre-back, not as the left-back you bought him to be. And again, in the Championship, not the Premier League. Jack Stacey, you could have signed James Justin. Oh, but they couldn't have competed with Leicester. He went to Leicester to be a backup. You don't think he would have gone to Bournemouth to be first choice? You don't think he would have stayed closer to home to be first choice? Oh, now you're dealing in hypotheticals. Okay, so that's a hypothetical, but you can tell me with certainty that Bournemouth couldn't compete. As if Bournemouth were some minnow with no money while spending 30, 40, 50 million a year. Arnaud Denjama, dreadful for them in the Premier League. Did really well in the Championship. He's done well in Spain thus far. Dreadful in the Premier League. Do you know what division you're scouting for? Do you know what division you're recruiting for? And Philip Billing, £15 million. He'd just been relegated with Huddersfield. And to be truthful, had looked a little bit out of his depth at times in the Premier League. He's a good player. He's a good player at championship level. At Premier League level, he's a little bit slow. He's not quite aggressive enough, but yet gets booked quite a bit. The summer before Bournemouth got relegated, they spent the better part of £50 million. The year before that, including the January transfer window, they spent the better part of £65 million. 
possibly pushing 70. 30 million the year before that, plus the compensation for Conor Mahoney. The year before that, what are we looking at? 22, 23, 7, 30, but 35 million. And the year before that, again, it's it's 40 million-ish. So let's not pretend that they were scrapping about looking for cast-offs in any way, shape, or form. The entire scouting operation failed. Eddie Howe failed with his recruitment. He failed to fix the defence. He's now going to take over a team with an appalling defence, who've been appalling defensively for a couple of years now. And we're expecting him to fix this. They've conceded 23 goals through 19 games. Sorry, through 10 games, rather, and sit in 19th place. If that defensive rate of conceding keeps up over the course of the season, they're going to concede over 80 goals. Are we banking on Eddie Howe to get that to a respectable number? Last season, Toon conceded 62. Season before that... 58. They're getting progressively worse defensively. And Eddie Howe's team's got progressively worse defensively. Under Benitez, then he conceded 48 goals. So they're getting worse defensively. They've got a difficult run of games coming up. Going to go and recruit in January, apparently. But who's doing the recruitment? Is it the people that have been doing it? Because they're not very good at their jobs. Is it Frank McPartland? Because he's not very good at that. So who's going to be doing the recruitment? There is no director of football. There's nobody competent at all on the football side of things. There's nobody competent working in that club at a, at a high-ranking position. The owners have had to inject $38 million already just to upgrade the day-to-day running of the club. That's absolutely appalling. That's a good centre-back in January. But that's just into fixing some of the issues that were already there. I don't know. I, I think we will potentially be waving farewell to the tune in the summer uh, as they head for Destination Championship along with Norwich. And considering they wanted to put a clause in Unai Emery's contract that they could sack him if they got relegated, I would imagine they've probably done the same with Eddie Howe because Eddie Howe wasn't their first choice. And the thing is, if it goes badly, it's going to be mentioned repeatedly that he wasn't first choice. So, you know, you're six points off Leeds already. It doesn't bear well. It doesn't bode well. It doesn't bode well at all. Um, in other news, Barcelona have appointed Xavi as their manager. Again, I think this is a mistake. Uh, Xavi may well become a very good manager, but learning on the job at a club 1.6 billion in debt, who have a fan base who demand success and will not accept anything else, when Barcelona can't really afford to deliver success, is a concern. But one to watch. Uh, I am joined by Mr. Guy Drinkle. We're going to do our Premier League preview and predictions. How are you, sir? I am good, Dave. How are you doing? I've been better, but I've also been worse. So kind of in the middle, um, which, you know, I know doesn't say much. But 
what I am, what I am, guy, basically at the minute is I'm I'm Crystal Palace, not under not under Vieira. I'm Crystal Palace under Hodgson, just sort of, you know, slithering along Still through the day. Stagnant. Yes, pretty much. Just feeling today a little bit like a, a, a Roy Hodgson Crystal Palace. I could be worse. It could. I could, could. be. Look, I could be a Tony Pulis Stoke. Nah, up that, and down. That's... Overly aggressive. There was no doubt. Know. There's no doubt in that. It's just still 15. <laughs> <laughs> but anywho, before we start, as I know you're in a rush, and getting onto Tony Pulis equals 30 minutes of chat of funny. It does. It does. All right. Uh, but we do have a Friday night kickoff, so FPL people, yeah. Might even be too late by the time this podcast's out, but listen to this and then do your team. Um, Southampton Villa. Uh, Southampton seem to be not turning the season round, but seem to be finally settling into the season. Uh, two wins out of the last three and a draw in the middle of that. Two losses before that, and that's as far back as the Premier League site goes. But they're playing Villa, who, I mean, they're in worse form than Norwich. Because mm. at least Norwich have drew, in the la- drew two games in the last four. Whereas yeah, Villa's four-game Villa's four-game uh, losing streak is the worst in the league at the moment. Like you said, Southampton are now unbeaten in three, two wins in that time, um, and they've they've pulled themselves up out of the bottom three. And credit to them, they're they're looking a lot better. The football has improved defensively. They've become much much better now that Salisu mm-hmm. and Bednarak are in there together. Um. Villa's a hard one to, to understand right now because it's very clear they have a really good 11 bar Tyron Mings, but they have Tunzebi who could play there. Um, no they Konza should be. As well. No Konza for this one because he's suspended, which which means Mings is definitely coming back in, either, either the partner, Courtney Hawes or uh, Tunzebi, or maybe we'll see the return of the back three. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Danny Ings is out with COVID. Douglas Louise is out with a hamstring injury. Esri Kahn's is out. So there's three starters straight away. Uh, Bertrand Traore is injured and Trezeguet is injured since since he got hurt at Anfield last season. But Villa should be comfortably higher than they are right now. And I, I just think right now Dean Smith is having a bit of a nightmare of a time. To have lost four games in a row is, considering who they've been playing, isn't great. Like, it, they played a bad Spurs team. They played a Wolves mm-hmm. team still trying to find their way. They played a mediocre Arsenal team and got wiped off the field. Now, the West Ham won fair enough. West Ham are really good. But they also, I mean, they lost to Watford on the opening day. They lost to Chelsea, you'd excuse that. You'd excuse Chelsea and West Ham. You can't really excuse the other defeats. And certainly not the manner of the defeat against Arsenal. Their they just seem to roll over probably Chelsea as well, which is strange. Yeah. Or Everton. Everton. The Everton. Yeah. They, they, they beat Everton 3 0 um, off the back of losing to Chelsea. And that is, that's by far their best performance and result of the season. I mean, they beat Newcastle. Everybody beats Newcastle. Beating Everton was a, was a good result at that point because Everton were playing well. That's a better result then than it would be now when Everton are out of form. But 
I'm just not sure that Dean Smith really has the answers to the questions he's been asked about his team. I don't know that he's going to be able to turn this around. Remember, to stay in the Premier League in his first season, he needed a dodgy Hawkeye call. Mm. I don't think Villa will go down this season. I think they've got too many good players. But the simple fact of it is they have the third worst defensive record in the league. And that's with Esri Konza and Emi Martinez. So imagine how bad the other... Now, Maddie Cash, to his credit, has played pretty well. But imagine how bad they're playing when you've got the guy who was the best keeper in the league last season is a top three or four keeper in the league overall. You've got one of the better centre-backs in the league, probably top five, top six, was top two or three last season. Imagine how bad the rest of your team are playing for you to be conceding that many goals. 19 goals conceded. Obviously, you, I know you don't like some of the individuals, like Matt Target's been dreadful this season, but Tyrone mm. Mings long-term term issue. But it surely has to be systemic, because as you mentioned, there's players there. I mean, flip-flopping between a three, a four, two-man midfield, a three-man midfield, surely you just have to settle on something. I know they're missing some players this weekend, but this has been a long-season problem, so surely they have to set out when Louise is back. McGinn, Louise... I don't know, if Morgan Sampson's ever alive again, that's a three, I'll go with a two, whatever. But he has to settle on something because the free uh, defence wasn't working clearly, but the midfield seems almost as big an issue as the defence to me whenever I watch them. Whenever a manager plays, who generally plays a back four, has a bad run of results and concedes a bunch of goals and then goes to a back three to try and solve it, that immediately raises red flags for me. Mm-hmm. That is, that's the first sign of a spoofer, someone that doesn't know how to sort a defence out. Now, I think Dean Smith's a pretty good coach. Um, he's obviously done well at Brentford and, and he's done well since he, well, done very well since joining Villa, brought them up, kept them up and then established them in mid-table last season. But it's really concerning to me to see him go to a back three when it's not been his go-to. Now, when you're not a back three manager. Mm. And the thing is, if it was if it was a thing like it was Liverpool away or City away and he was just going to a back three to try and bed in and counterattack, mm, I'd be started, like, okay, fair enough. It was against Chelsea you started it with, wasn't it? I'm yes, sure but it Chelsea, Chelsea aren't a team that are going to destroy you. But they did destroy them. Mm. I mean, look at Chelsea this season. They're not wiping the floor with teams. Except They're Norwich. grinding out <laughs> results more often than not. I know they've scored 26 goals, but Seven like, look where those Norwich. goals That's exactly it. Like You look at the, the Chelsea results this season, and I know they beat Crystal Palace in the first day of the season 3-0, but that was a brand new Crystal Palace team. They didn't impress against Arsenal. They were uber defensive against Liverpool. They offered nothing going forward against City. They were quite poor going forward against Southampton, but got a 3-1 win uh, because of two very late goals. And then the Brentford game, they were dreadful going forward. Like, Chelsea aren't really a team that are going to blow you away unless you're Norwich. There was no real reason to go to that back three that day. And when they did, they just got torn apart. And then he kept it. Mm. Like... He should have just binned it off at half time, but he kept it. And I don't know. I have concerns about this Villa team. 
I do have some concerns still about Southampton, though. They've yeah. only scored nine goals. Only Norwich have scored less, though. They you know, should have top. scored like twelve more goals last game, and that was just yes. a match of the day. Yes, um, they should have. They they missed a bunch of chances, but when you play people like Nathan Redmond and and Theo Walcott and those in your team, you're going to miss a lot of chances. Uh, credit to Spurs. Spurs only scored nine goals as well. Which, you know, when you've got <laughs> Harry Kane and like two of the best Son, forwards in the league. <laughs> yeah, you've got two of the five or six best forwards in the league and you've only scored nine goals in the league. But, you know, that's we'll get we'll get to them. Um I'm gonna go for a I'm gonna go for a draw. I'm gonna go for a one one draw. But if Sid, if Southampton win, <clears throat> Villa are in real trouble. Because mm. they come out of the international break with with a good a game against a five good Brighton team. Yeah, they'd be five losses in a row, then playing Brighton, Crystal Palace away, Man City, Leicester, and Liverpool. So five could turn into ten really quickly. I don't, think, I don't think any manager survives a ten loss streak. No. Or even like no. a ten winless streak. That's the thing. E that's the thing. Even if they even if they win one or two of these games, I think he's still gonna be in trouble. Yeah. I think he really needs to turn things around quite quickly. And this game and the two out the back of the international break, Brighton and Palace, I think he needs to win at least two of them and get a draw on the other. Mm. I think he really needs to turn this around over these next three games because you wouldn't be backing them against City or Liverpool unless they haven't been great this season. But with the way Villa are defending, they'll, Brendan will, carve them, will have his team carve them apart. So he may not see Norwich and Burnley in the middle of December, which would be the easier run. But uh, I'll go be a new manager run as well. But anyhow, you mentioned you said before I started recording, don't let you waffle, and I've already done it. <laughs> yes, you have. So that's your fault. So let's it go. <laughs> right. So I did say we could we could spend a bit of time on this one because it is the biggest game of the the weekend. That is mm. Man United, Man City. Take your Liverpool hat off. Because we obviously want Man United to win, uh, for multiple reasons. <laughs> um, but Man United midweek, it, it was the most typical Man United game you've you've seen this this year. Atalanta battered them, should have won comfortably. Dodgy handball, great finish by Ronaldo. In fairness, but a hand, handball assist. Uh, yeah, Ronaldo, great finish, kind of saving the day whilst also being a contributing factor. Of them not being great, but Oli does have a weird record against Man City, and Man City, I think I heard on the podcast this day that they've already had as many goalless games as they did all of last season. So Man City obviously have goal scoring problems themselves, but no Varane, I think Lindelof might be a doubt as well. We saw the mess that Harry Maguire was in midweek mm. and most of the season if not all the season. Uh, this I, I don't know what to think of this game. I, individual brilliance I think is going to be the difference maker. That's what United will have to rely on, is um, is moments of individual greatness. Um, yeah, no Varane. No Pogba because he's suspended, but that, that's probably a positive. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, and yeah, Lindelof expected to miss out as well. So th those are... You know, the the two centre backs are big blows. Mm -hmm. um, City you... have no fair on Torres. America Laporte is suspended, and Kyle Walker is a doubt. So Walker could be a blow for for City, but like you said, Ollie has 
a weirdly good record against Manchester City, which is just very surprising considering he's not a very good manager. It does suit him though in terms of the the counter-attacking because against any Man City generally, unless it's Liverpool, you have to sit back and defend, which suits them and Oli as a manager. That's the thing. He'll bed in. He'll. I think if he had, if Lindelof is fit, he'll start him by and Maguire in a three. Mm-hmm. Would you? If not, would you start Shaw and bring Tellers in, or would you go back? To I, the back that's four? exactly what I'd do. I'd, I'd play Shaw as a centre back and bring Tellers in. Um, I, I think they'll go back three. He'll sit Pogba. No, not Pogba. He'll sit, sit McTominay and Fred in front of them. With Bruno sort of floating around as a midfielder who gets forward, and then Cristiano and someone to do the donkey work. Oh, so it'll be, it'll be Cavani. Ra- Cavani, Rashford can't do it. Um, probably Cavani. Now the other option, if he doesn't go with a back three, is he could play Wan Bissaka, Baye, Maguire, Shaw, and then go. McTominay, oh, Matic, oh, no. and Fred as a three that just sit right in front of them. Could Either you... way, you're getting your your seven defensive players. That's, that gonna... disgusts me a bit. It is, a Liverpool fan. It's vile. It's a vile, vile setup. But it wouldn't surprise me if that's what he did and then lets Bruno sort of play a little bit off them. They'll put a graphic up and claim it's a diamond midfield, but we know it'll be a flat <laughs> three in front of a flat four. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think they're absolutely going to bed in now. If look, if it was me, I I would start Rashford because I'd be looking for that. I'd actually leave out Bruno, and I'd look for someone to with pace to break. But Bruno's not going to get left out. Don't get like don't worry about that. He will play. Um, I think you've got to have someone with pace to connect defense to attack. I think and, you've got to target the left back because presuming Cancelo goes right back and. Zin- Zinchenko Zinger? probably comes in. Yeah. But I see to, for me, Canseo's the weaker defender of those two. And he'll also be the one that pushes further on because he'll have more of the ball. Who's sent because is Laporte Laporte suspended? Laporte's suspended, so it's gonna be probably Stones and and Doesn't Diaz. Diaz so play left centre back in that situation. Yes. Yes. So there will be errors in the city defence. This is why I think United do have a chance in this game. Is that there's errors in that city back four. Even with Walker. There's, if you saw the goal, the Palace, the second goal Palace mm-hmm. scored last weekend, he's all over the place. Midfield, they don't really have... They've got really good players on ball and players that work hard off ball. But there's no real dynamic burst in that city midfield. So... While McTominay's limited, he is a very powerful runner box to box. Mm-hmm. So he could potentially run off the back of that City midfield on counterattacks. But like you said, City just City are struggling to score goals a little bit at the moment. They've only scored 20 in their 10 games. Now, that's still two a game, but it's well below where they normally are. Do you think and... Pep will revert to last season? Because obviously, not the standards of the last few seasons that won the league, but... I mean, Mares probably had his best year to memory. Ford and obviously kind of emerged as a starter last season. Mm. Um, 
and then it was kind of sterling and rotating a bit. But could you see, I don't know, Ford and Mares? Jesus has obviously been quite good this season. Maybe that as a front three rather than putting in Grealish and stuff like that. I think they have to drop Jack Grealish. I think he's made them quite quite a bit worse. Mm-hmm. I think he's had a negative effect on Kevin De Bruyne as well. Because what City are doing uh, by by instruction from Guardiola is they're pandering to Grealish. And they're playing through him rather than playing through the vastly superior player who has, well, he's carried them for years uh, from a, a creativity point of view. Um, there's no there's no real argument for playing Jack Grealish. I think Sterling's a better player. Foden's a better player. Mares is a better player. I think they're missing Ferran Torres, to be fair. They are missing Ferran Torres. And, if you, and it's no surprise that their best attacking performances this season have all come with Ferran Torres as their, as their kind of default nine. And that was before Foden was fit. I mean, Foden, mm. Torres and Jesus on the right, considering Sterling's lack of form, is probably... It's about as good the as they can get. Yeah. Now, the other option, like, the thing is, Ilke Gundigan's obviously back, fit, mm-hmm. fit again. And he deserves to start, as does Bernardo Silva, who's been brilliant this season, probably their best player. And then you've got KDB as well. So do you maybe push KDB into that number nine position and then let him just drift from there? I don't think that suits him. See, I don't either, unless you give him complete license to to just wander and do what he wants. Yeah. Which you can do. You can let him drop off, play as a 10, drift wide. If you play, say, Foden and Sterling or Foden and Jesus as the wide pair and tell them when he drops, you two form a two. Get narrow. Don't stay wide. Get narrow when he drops off. But by playing Grealish, you limit your options. You Mm -hmm. can't play Grealish if you're playing De Bruyne in that position. Um, I don't think... I think if they'd paid... 40 million for Grealish or 50 million for Grealish. I think he'd be out of the team by now. I think he'd have been dropped. Um, but the fact that they paid 100 million and, and it was Pep who, who pushed that deal through, I think they're kind of stuck because he bought him to play as an eight, remember? He didn't buy him to play in the front three. He bought him to play as a midfielder. He mm. played him there once against Tottenham. It was an absolute disaster. And he's just shoved him into the front three now. So... Mm-hmm. It's it just kind of obviously they were going to get a nine as well, which would have limited. Yeah, him. well, that was the plan. Um, was that they'd buy him and they'd buy Kane, mm-hmm. and that was going to be you know part of what they were going to do. It was it was never going to work because Grealish can't play in midfield. But I don't know. I just I think City are still a, a very good team. But I said this to you at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. The team that won the league last season wasn't a great team. It was a good team, a, a very good league. team. But it was a we- very weak league. Yeah. The city that won the league in 17, 18 and 18, 19, they were a great team. Yeah. They're not nearly as good as they were a couple of seasons ago. Is this something they have to fix in January? Uh, I don't know if it's... I mean, maybe say, say if Kane with... is on the table, which is probably a doubtful now with Conte. I mean... It, it Sterling seems to be wanting out. If if you could go back to that trade, which kind of set off the dispute, but you might be more open to it now. Conte is there. Would you back to? If I was City, I'd do it. Yeah, Vlavic is up for sale now, seemingly. 
So there is more options there. Yeah, if I'm Spurs with Conte and Sterling wants to go there and I can potentially get, say, Sterling and 80 million for Kane or even Sterling and 50 million for Kane mm-hmm. and put a bit of money to that and go and buy Dusan Vlavic, then I probably do that. And I end up with, with Sterling, Vlavic and Son as a front three. Mm-hmm. Um. I think there is, there's definitely merit in the idea. And uh, I said before, I think Kane would be foolish to leave because I think Conte develops number nines better than pretty much anybody, including Pep. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it, I, it's certainly something from both sides that's worth kicking the tires on in January and see if there is a potential deal there. Because for Spurs, if Kane is not fully committed, and, and I mean fully committed, if he's not saying... No matter what, I'm here this season, next season, and the season after. Give me a new contract, mm. and I'm going to stay. Then I would potentially look at it and say, well, what happens if you know this season isn't isn't great? We're not in the Champions League again next season. Like we know we'll have Conte, that's fine. But what if Harry wants to leave again next summer? That might not be ideal. Now maybe they've made Conte guarantees that Kane will stay. I I don't know. Um, but yeah, for City, City would probably be better off just going and buying Dusan Blahovic. Yeah. At 21, 22, he'll be a lot cheaper, weight, lower wages. He'll give you that focal point and you can build around him for quite a long time. Him, Foden, some of these other young players they've got coming through. And then, you know, the likes of Bernardo and that that are still in their mid twenties, Diaz, Laporte, Canseo, those type of guys you can mm-hmm. you'll have for the next four or five years. Um, but it's, it's tough for City because, I mean, they've spent so much money and gotten worse. That's they can point to the league title last season all they want. Nobody can argue that City aren't worse than they were seventeen, eighteen, and eighteen, nineteen. Nobody can make a claim that they're not significantly worse significantly worse than that season. Like, even go man for man, they're not as good. And the players that are still there that were in those teams aren't as good as they were back then because they're older in the cases of De Bruyne and and Walker. They've had more injuries in the case of De Bruyne. Um, I think Gundogan could make a claim that last year was his best season, but he was great in those teams as well, even though he had some injury issues. Bernardo was in, sensational in 1819. He's very good again this year, but he was maybe the best player in the league in 1819. Um, I just don't think they're as good. I just I think they've fallen off. And I think part of it is the team Pep inherited, the leadership council he inherited with Yaya, company, uh, so, Silva, Aguero, Aguero, they've all left. Mm. The only one left is Fernandinho, whose influence on the pitch is far less than it used to be. And I don't see him as being a really vocal leader. Like, he's not someone, he's not a big rah-rah type of guy. He's more of a, you know, get your head down, get your job done type of guy. Whereas I think some of the others were quite vocal and and quite, quite passionate about, you know, the city project. I think he is as well, but he, he's not outwardly passionate about it. It's just something that doesn't reflect in his personality. Mm. 
Um, I, I think there's question marks over City right now. I really do. And like, there's already been the stuff about Pep potentially leaving at the end of next season. So what's that doing to the mindset of the players? What's that doing to the mindset of the owners? Are they looking at it now and thinking, well, do we really want to give this guy a ton more money if he's leaving? Not knowing who the new manager is going to be and what kind of players they'll want. Now, I know money doesn't really matter to them, but they've had enough legal cases and slaps on the wrist and all that going on over the last couple of years that maybe they're just a little bit hesitant to continue to throw money away. You know, and we heard Pep with all the lies last season. Oh, well, you, when you sell for 60, you can buy for 100, even though that's not what had happened. He was trying to use the Sane money from the summer before. To, to justify that they you know they weren't spending huge money. They're, they're trying to make excuses and cover the tracks a bit more. So I don't know that they'll spend in January. I think they will try and see it out. But look, last season he figured it out. Last season they were poor through 10 games, and then Pep figured it out. The problem is Grealish doesn't fit playing how they played last year. Because if you remember, last season they went Walker, Stones, Diaz, can say it was the back four. Gundogan, De Bruyne, and uh, Rodri is the three. And then it was a, a rotating cast up front. But, you know, Foden was there, Sterling was there, Mares was there, and, you know, Gabby Jesus played and, and whoever else. But in game, it would go to a back three of. Diaz, Stone, uh, Walker, Stones, Diaz. Canseo mm-hmm. would step into midfield alongside Rodri and act as a double pivot. And, and then De Bruyne and Gundogan would step forward with that front three. Mm-hmm. And that entire fr- would become a front five, a three, two, five. And that entire five would be rotating. So you'd see De Bruyne playing on the right of the two advanced eights. And next thing he'd be way out in the left wing. Mm. And Gundogan might be the number nine. And Foden and Mares could be the two behind the three, with Sterling on the right or Gabby Jesus on the right. And next thing, De Bruyne is on the right and Gundogan's back in midfield. But now he's next to Sterling. And Mares is on the left and Foden's up front. They just kept rotating and swapping positions and they were absolutely sensational to watch at times. There were... Spells in games where it was absolutely mesmerizing to watch this fluid movement, players back cuts, unselfish runs. It was just it was fantastic, but Grealish is not capable of playing in that. Doesn't have I don't think he has the in-game intelligence to do it, to be perfectly honest. Um well, he has played he's played in a system where it was all about him for all about him. That's the thing. No. Grealish tends to shut down when the, he doesn't have the ball. Grealish tends to just stand around waiting for the ball because Dean Smith allowed him to stand around waiting for the ball. So I, I think City, like I said earlier, I think they, I think the best thing for them to do would actually be to leave Grealish out of the out of the team for a couple of games, and maybe you could find a way to work him back in because you've spent a hundred million on him, you're stuck with him now. You've given him a big long-term contract, so he's going nowhere. But I don't think, I don't think he improves them. I think he's made them worse. And as I said, they were worse last year than the year before. And if they lose this one, 
that will be a big blow to their title hopes because while we're still early, I don't know that this Chelsea team, who will almost certainly win this weekend, are going to cough up eight points too easily, which would be the gap if Chelsea win and City lose. And I wouldn't put it past Oli to pull off the surprise with the pressure on. Now, the pressure will have eased a bit with beating Spurs, the draw at Atalanta, plus Conte's now off the table. So it wouldn't put, I wouldn't put it past Oli, you know, to have survived for another few months already. But he has a good record against City, surprisingly enough. Mm-hmm. What are you going to go and with? I'm going to go with it. I'm going to go with a 2-1 United win. Lovely. Ollie in. Saying uh, that, City will probably beat them 6-0. Yeah, I, I think it's either going to be City battering them or it's going to be like some scruffy win by United. <laughs> Nothing in between. Um, we might have to quick fire a few of these, but Brentford, Norwich. Um, Brentford are his favourites, but was it three losses in a row? If, yeah, if I don't minimise stuff. Yeah, three, three three losses in a row. Um, two of which they were very unlucky in. Yeah, you know, they were very unlucky in the um, in the Chelsea game, and they were unlucky in the Leicester game. But Burnley comfortably beat them last time out in the in the Premier League. So, yeah. uh, they should win this game. It, it'll be it'll be a game that they'll go into as as you said as as favorites Norwich but they are missing against, players um, Leeds though but which may say more about Leeds and anything I think that does say that's the thing I think it does say more about Leeds than it says about about um Norwich about Norwich Norwich have been so poor this season and we are getting very close to the point where you start to say there's 19 teams in the league and Norwich have been relegated um Two points from ten games, only three goals scored. Brentford's defence has been pretty good this season, only twelve goals conceded, which for a newly promoted team is a is a good return. And I think other than I think they've actually got a top ten defence this year. Yeah, themselves and Southampton are the only two teams in the bottom half is No, sorry, Brentford. Oh, okay. I was gonna, I was gonna say <laughs> Brentford and Southampton have conceded twelve. Which is the best in the bottom half, and then you've got Tottenham, United, and Arsenal have all conceded more. So they've actually got top nine defense in the league. The issue is they're not scoring at the le- the rate they were earlier in the season. Ivan Tony's gone a bit quiet, Embuemo's so they need the to get him firing as well. Embuemo's hmm? hit the post about twenty times, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he needs to do a lot better in front of goal. He really does. He's he's cost him a couple of points isn't, already isn't this he's season. Catching up with him a bit, I think. You think? Yeah, I mean, it, it's at the moment it's not looking good. Wissa, Sorensen, Rea, Ayer, De Silva, and Baptiste all ruled out. No return dates for any of them. Uh, Wissa they expect to have back maybe towards the end of November, but the rest, who knows? Um, I, I think they'll have enough to win this game, though, at home. Yeah. They've got a good home crowd. I'll go with a I'll go with a two 0 Brentford win. Yeah, I think most people would agree with that. Uh, next up, then Chelsea Burnley. Chelsea should win this, but as you mentioned, doing the Champions League games uh, earlier in the week, they had a million shots and only scored once against Malmo. Was it so? They they can frustrate in front of goal, and as we mentioned there, Burnley did play really well against Brentford. 
Um, any chance of a shock on surely Chelsea after win this? I, I think Chelsea will win this. I think they're just too good at the minute. And uh, Burnley will give them a tough game. They'll be resolute and hard to beat. They'll have some dangerous moments because Cornette and Wool and and Wood are looking like a really good pairing. That little yeah. and large Wood can hold off pretty much any centre back in the league. And with Cornette running in in and around behind them, I, th- I think that's working for them. Uh, only Aaron Lennon and Dale Stevens out for Burnley. Neither of them will be playing anyway, so they'll be at full strength. Whereas Chelsea, no Lukaku, no Werner, no Kovacic, which is a big one. Mm. Kovacic is a big one for them. And then uh, Mason Mount, I think, is ill, but he's expected to play this weekend. It's not COVID, we're told, so he's expected to play. Um, yeah. I think Chelsea will win this game. Three one. I think Burnley will cause them some trouble, but I think just think Chelsea'll have too much for them, and they're getting a lot of goals from their wing backs. I mean, James yeah. and Chilwell right now are two of the more potent outlets for goals. Which you know, when you start getting goals from your wing backs and you're getting them from your, from your wingers and your midfielders pop up every so often, even if they're penalties, it's a good sign when your nines aren't scoring and you're still scoring. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think cool. Chelsea will be fine. I think they'll be fine. So um, I'll go 3-1 Chelsea. Yeah, I think it wouldn't... Well, it would surprise if Burnley got something out of that game, to be honest. But last one before we go to a quick break and then we've got uh, late kickoff and Sunday games. Uh, Palace against Wolves. This should be a good game. Yeah, I mean, this is two teams in pretty good form. Mm. Um, now, Palace, it's only, I think, one win out of six. Only two wins all season. But, you know, some good draws in there. And obviously, they did beat um, they did beat Manchester City away last weekend. And deservedly so. Mm. This weekend, obviously, Wolves come in very, very confident. Seventh in the league. Four wins and a draw from their last five games. After the bad start they had, they've really turned things around in very, very impressive fashion. It's very, very um, notable, the change in their mindset as well. Mm. They get the ball, and it's not the long ball stuff of the Nuno era. When Neto it's, gets back, that team's going to be That's going to be fun. Great. That is going to be fun. You put Neto... Instead of Trinko, maybe? I think he'll play both of them. I think he'll play them on the opposite wings and then he'll play Huang just off Jimenez because he's a back four manager. Mm. He's using a back three right now because he inherited a team built to play a back three. They don't have centre-backs good enough to play in a back two. Maybe Kilman, but other than him, that's you know they're, they're kind of stuck. I think Mascara was signed to go with Kilman in a back, back four and they might go in January and look to bring someone in. Their fullbacks or wingbacks, as they are now, will be fine as fullbacks. I think they'll look to move to a 4 4 1 1 type of situation with Wang off Jimenez, mm. Neto, and Trinkia in the to wide fair, areas. I mean, he has kept the back free, but it, I, 10 goals conceded must be what? They've, they've been better. It's the third best in the league. Fourth best. Fourth best in the league. Sorry, fourth best in the league. The top three are the only ones yeah. who've conceded less goals. Now, with that said, they've balanced it out by they haven't scored a ton of goals. They've only they scored did 11. They score for like the first five games or so, though. So. And remember, they were having like 20 shots a game in some mm. of those games. But what they've done is they filtered out a lot of the bad shots. 
Yeah. And they're now taking higher percentage shots. So it's brave to drop a Dahmer as well. Yeah. Yeah. Especially considering his contract situation. Mm. Like they are running his value down quite a bit, but maybe that's just a decision that they've made. You know, I mean, he's out of contract. I don't know if it's this, I think it's next summer, 2023. Mm. And, you know, they'll probably only get. People will still pay 30 odd mil for him. Someone will pay 30 million for him. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, but they thought they were going to get like 60 million for him. Um, I think, yeah, 2023 is out of contract. Oh, Eddie Howes got money now. He's buying Adama Traore. Oh, yeah, 100%. Newcastle will be the team. Imagine imagine Adama Traore and Alan St. Maximum. Oh, no. I hope Imagine being the striker. Imagine having to try and anticipate what those two are going to do. I hope like they end up with Lewandowski and then them two on the wings and he'll just get like two goals a season. <laughs> he will. He'll be furious with them. Um, this is a really tough game to pick because mm. they're both in good form. I really enjoy watching both of them. I think this is one of the better games of the weekend. I am going to say... I'm going to go with a 2-2 draw. Yeah, I was looking at draw as well. 2-2 draw. Yeah. yeah. I'd agree with that, uh, but that's it. We'll take a quick break, and then we'll be back with late kickoff and Sunday games. Right, welcome back. So uh, we've been through Saturday's games. We just had the late kickoff to go plus Sunday, five down, five to go. Guy, what's the late kickoff on Saturday? It is Brighton against Newcastle, which, for some reason, it seems to stick in the memory. This is the game where Graham Potter kind of announced himself as the new wave of mm. manager. So, was it Lamp- Lamptey just tore them a new one, if I remember? Tore them apart. Yeah. Absolutely tore them apart. This game is interesting because Graham Jones will be in the Newcastle dugout, and he's Graham Potter's best friend. Right. And kind of responsible for launching his managerial career. So, a um, bit of a personal touch on this one. No real reason to stay long on this one. If Howe was in charge, it might be different. But based on what... What can he do? What's he going to do in a day? Do you know, what is he going to do in a day? Based on what we've seen of Newcastle all of this season, including the two games under Graham Jones, they're getting beaten here. Now, they go into this game without a couple of players. Uh, No Paul Dummett, no Freddie Woodman. But they have most of the rest of the squad back. So that, that is at least a plus, that pretty much everybody is getting fit. And at the end of the international break, Eddie Howe should have a full complement of players. Brighton will have Noel Zate, Dan Burns at doubt, uh, Richards and Aaron Connolly should be back, but Danny Welbeck is out. But they will be basically at full strength. They'll have you know, their first choice defence, they'll have all of their midfielders, uh, Barrel Zati, but you know he wouldn't be starting if they had full strength. Mm-hmm. And I think they will win this game fairly comfortably, to be honest. No reason to dwell on this. I'm going three 0 Brighton. Only question: Lamptey back in start? Yeah, I think he'll start him. I think this is the game to start him because this is not a team that's going to hurt you on the counter attack. This Newcastle team, mm-hmm. they don't really have other than if you, as long as you keep say maximum quiet. They can't really hurt you. They don't have anything else really in that team. Um, because it's just been coached out of them. 
there's no confidence in that team, no belief in anything they do. So, yeah, I, I would start Lamptey and Cucurella wide and I would just go and take the game to them. And you've got Basuma, Mwepu in midfield. They, they'll be more than enough to, to cope with, with everything Newcastle can throw at them. It's not like Trussard's Newcastle have a form. midfield as well. <laughs> no, that's the thing. You know, they should just run over them in midfield. Um, Trussard's in good form. You can bring back in uh, Mope, maybe. Lalana obviously got the assist against Liverpool um, and had a decent second half after a bizarre first half where he didn't touch the ball for 35 minutes or so. Um, or 25 minutes it might have been. But, yeah, I think I think Brighton win this game comfortably. I'll go 3-0. Yeah, sounds about right to me. Uh, Sunday then, a bit of a busy day. Uh, Arsenal-Watford, this one's on TV. Um, Arsenal are on TV a lot, um, mm. which is strange. Arsenal kind of turned turn their season form around, considering we were talking about Arteta getting sacked. It, it does always feel like he's one bad run away from that conversation reopening, but... Despite the performances being up and down, Dave, they have the results have been turned round apart from the two um, draws. But I mean, Watford. Oh, was it Southampton? They were bad against last week. It was, wasn't it? Yeah, they've been bad bad in those. Yeah, bad against Southampton. Mad game against Everton, which only happens to Everton. Um, which is a fact. Um, and then, oh yeah, anyone else beats them two one on that day. Oh, definitely. And then Liverpool obviously tonked them five 0 So you have to make Arsenal favourites. Smith Rose in great form. Saka's continuing his development. Aubameyang, Lacazette seem not back to the best quite yet, but seem to be back to be willing, <laughs> which isn't always great to say. But mm. um, in the midfield's working now with uh, Lukonga and and Parter seemingly settled as a uh, as a duo. Yeah, I mean, this is a bad Watford team, and I know they got the good results against um, Everton, but there's there's nothing really about Watford, nothing that I've seen this season, that suggests to me that they're going to do anything else other than go down. Mm. I think I think they're one of the great hopes for Newcastle, is that you know Watford are going to be worse than them over the course of the season. Norwich are going to be worse than them. So that's two. They only need one more team. That's Newcastle's big hope of getting out of this, is that one more team is worse than them over the course of the season. The only thing about that is that Burnley are currently in the relegation zone. I don't think anyone expects them to go down realistically. No, exactly. Then, then like, you, you back Dyche over, over Eddie Howe all day. Then it's Leeds, Watford, Villa, and I don't expect two of them to go down. No, they've all got better teams as well. Yeah. And you'd argue, well, certainly Leeds and Southampton have got I'd better managers. Watford team's better than Newcastle. Just, the manager and defence is just shocking. Um, that's, that's the thing. Like, Watford have decent attackers, decent midfielders. Now, look, Newcastle have decent attackers as well. Wilson's a good player. Almiron's a good player. They've got a couple of decent midfielders, but you just wonder if maybe at Newcastle all the confidence has just gone too far. That mm-hmm. could be the biggest challenge for Howe. But Watford in this game, I expect them to get nothing. I think yeah. Arsenal will continue their their run of form. Um, it would I be do the think most it's, Arsenal thing in the world if they did lose to Watford, though. It would. It would be such an Arsenal thing to lose here. And with Kieran Tierney out, I know uh, Nuno's done pretty well. Nuno Tavares has done pretty well. But he is going to go up this weekend against 
Ishmael Asar, mm-hmm. who is Dennis back? Dennis is back, I think. Yeah, I, I am yes, in FDR. He is. I think he's on the flag. De- Dennis is back. They're without Itibo, Cabaselli, Sima, and Ba, but Seralta, Femenia, and Dennis are all back. Right. So they should be a bit stronger. Uh, maybe Seralta can come in and make a difference at the back. Because, like you said, their defense is, is, is a tragic mess. Um, it would be a very Arsenal thing to lose this game, or even to draw. But given the form, I think you give them the benefit of the doubt. And you mentioned the two boys, uh, Smith, Rowe, and Saka, who are playing really well. Mm-hmm. Odegaard's playing quite well. Yeah, He's in and out of the team, obviously. But Lacazette's looking better. Aubameyang's looking better. Partey and Lakonga looks like a pairing for now anyway. I do Gabriel's think this, amazing as well at the moment. He's brilliant. He's such a good centre back and he's really helped them. And like Tommy Asu as well. Yeah. Those two either side of Ben White. It lets him be allow, the ball, yeah. Allow allow him to be that kind of very deep playmaker that they that they like having. Uh, Ramsdale's obviously playing well as well. Mm-hmm. So all things point to an Arsenal win. I'm going to go with for the Arsenal win. win. I'll take the obvious one here and hopefully be proven wrong. But I I'll go with Arsenal two, uh, Watford two one. There. <laughs> I'll, I'll no. I'm going to go. I'm going to go heavy Arsenal win here. I'm going to go four one to the Gunners. Yeah, I think that's the, the logical one. I think, but Arsenal logic. We mentioned Everton there. <laughs> Sometimes it doesn't work like that. But speaking of Everton, we'll move on to the next one. And it's Everton against Spurs. Shame this one isn't on TV, really. Rafa against Conte. Um, Spurs mad game last night in the Vanarama. Um, yeah, they certainly seem better in attack, but the defence is still Eric Dyer. Yeah, the defence is a lot of work uh, needed. No Sessegnon, no Hill for... Tottenham, neither of them would start anyway. Uh, notable that Conte went straight to a back three. Mm-hmm. Um, I would expect it's a 3-5-2 this weekend rather than a 3-4-3 like last night. To, I mean, Mora gave away the ball. Royale kept giving away the ball, didn't he? Mm. Yeah, they, they just didn't look... They didn't look fully tuned in yet, but give it time. Yeah, this, this, is, this is still going to be really early. It's probably the worst time... For Everton to play Spurs, though, with that new manager bounce mm-hmm. and Everton in in bad form themselves, having lost three in a row. Everton also without a lot of players, you know, no Decore, no Calvert-Lewin. Does it say Dina, how long is out for? A couple of weeks, but it's a broken foot, so it could be... They're saying the end of November. I think it will be mid-December, personally. Uh, Calvert-Lewin they're saying the end of November we've been waiting for him to come back for a while uh, Dina is a doubt Andre Gomes is a doubt and Yerry Mina is out so Oof. for Spurs it's ideal like this is the ideal game to play Michael Keane is in bad form Ben Godfrey's not playing particularly well at the moment still trying to recover from Covid you can overrun them in midfield without Decore. They don't have a big goal threat without Calvert-Lewin or a, a big line of supply without Dina. So for, Spur, for Spurs, as they try and get used to Conte and he tries to figure out what he has, this is a good game for them. I'm going to go 2-1 to Tottenham. 
I think Harry Kane's going to spark into life this weekend. Oh, that's probably the biggest shout of the podcast. <laughs> he didn't look too great last night. He didn't, he didn't, but I think I think he'll be having a sit-down meeting, one of those come-to-Jesus moments with Conte where he's told, look, either you turn things around or they find you in six years buried under a patio somewhere. And um, it'd be like Brookside. I, I'm going to go for the uh, the Spurs win with, with Kane just doing Kane things. Mm-hmm. Don't think he'll be last season's Kane, not yet. But I think we'll see more resembling the Harry Kane that we know. Yeah, and I think Conte mentioned he wants him in the box doing stuff, whereas Mourinho obviously used him more as the 10. So mm. maybe not to back where he was under Poch, but I think you might see that from him, but more of a protected style. Um, but yeah, Kane has to improve for them to be any any what successful. But Son Son looked better and Mora looked better last night, so that, that's uh, working. That Regulon and Emerson were good going forward at least. Um, Leeds Leicester next. Last year this game would have been class, but yeah, mm. Leeds are terrible and Leicester a different team every week. Two of the more disappointing teams in the league this season. Leicester, four defeats already. Leeds have lost four as well. I mean, there's four points separating these teams, and it is down to the fact that Leeds have just drawn too many games so far. They haven't had their usual frenetic style about them. No draws, just vibes. (laughs) That's exactly it. Robin Cock, Luke Ayling, and Bamford all still out. Uh, Cock and Bamford, obviously the the two big blows there, they can get by without without ailing. But Leicester, no Fafana, no Justin, no Albrighton, and then doubts over Ricardo Pereira, Madison, and Barnes. Oof. That's that's worrying for Rogers if they're all out or even two of those three are out. Um, Leicester didn't look great last night in the Europa League oh, against Spartak oh, Moscow. Yeah. Um, Victor Moses had put Spartak one up and Daniel Amarty scored an equaliser. Now, they went with Daka and... Ineacho. Ineacho with Perez behind, Sumari and Thielemans in midfield, Castagne and Bertrand, and then Amarty, Evans and Sionchu as a back three, Kasper Schmeichel in goal. Rodgers is having to go as, as strong as he can because obviously they've had quite a bad start in the... Europa League um, campaign. So he needs to try and qualify out of the group. But right now, they do sit third. And they still have to go to Napoli. You know? So really, really tough and situation still for them. this season. I think they're undefeated in the league, but they lost in the Europa League. Uh, Napoli. So I'm pretty sure they are in the league. Yeah. They are in the league. They've drawn one and won ten. I think the draw... I think it was Milan, wasn't it? <laughs> no, no, Milan... I thought they drew the other week. No, they drew it into Milan. Oh, okay. Wasn't it? I think it was into Milan. No, is that right? No, they're playing into Milan in two weeks. Who did Napoli draw it? Hang on. Um, Roma. They drew nil-nil with oh. Roma. Love it. And, Mar- and Mourinho's... Because it's Mourinho. <laughs> and Mourinho's special. We should have yeah, I mean, Leicester should win the game. They're the better team, but it's at Ellen Road. 
Leicester are without a lot of players. Leeds are starting to get most of their lads back. There's still a lack of goals in the Leeds team without Bamford, but I'm I'm going to go for the home win. I'm going to go 2-1 Leeds. You I think the midfield battle is going yeah. to be great. <laughs> yeah, but, they, but he's, he's playing at an incredible level right he is. now. He is. At, right now, there aren't five better players in the Premier League on current form or overall than Rafinha. He's that good. And people are missing it because he's playing for Leeds and because they're poor. They're missing just how special he is. Last weekend, the, he was unbelievable against Norwich. Now, it, I know it's Norwich, but he was absolutely outstanding. It was a must-win must game as well, to be fair. It was. It was. And he's the one that stepped up for them. He is He is brilliant. And uh, I'm going to back him. Him more so than his team. I'm going to back him <laughs> to Rafinha cut Leicester. Rafinha 2, up. Leicester 1. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Rafinha 2, Leicester. Rafinha goal and assist. Uh, Leicester 1 from probably a Vardy tapping or something. Nah, it's a Tielemans worldie this season. That seems to be the crack. Um, last one, and depending how long you have, West Ham against Liverpool. This should be a good game. I mean, there's just question marks about Liverpool's midfield, really, but West Ham have been excellent this season. Uh, drew last night, didn't they? I watched a bit of the game. I think they drew. They did. They drew last night. Yeah. Um, and Liverpool, obviously, great in midweek with the funniest red card I've ever seen. Um, yeah, this should be a good game. It should. Yeah, I mean... It's a big test for both teams. Both teams come into the game in, in, in good form. Um, West Ham fourth in the league. They've won three in a row. Liverpool, the only unbeaten team in the division, second in the league, three points behind Chelsea. The concern for Liverpool is there's so many draws. And were they to draw this game and Chelsea to beat Burnley, well, then the gap is five points. And that becomes a concern. Um, purely because this Chelsea team doesn't look like it'll drop many points over the course of the season. They look like they'll grind out results week after week after week. And, you know, draws can really kill your season. Um, West Ham, from an injury point of view, have no problems. Everybody's fit. Liverpool have James Milner out, Naby Keita out, Bobby Firmino out, Curtis Jones out. Harvey Elliott out, and Joe Gomez out. So six players out injured for Liverpool, um, two of whom I think would be starting right now, Harvey Elliott and Bobby Firmino. Naby Keita has been in excellent form this season, so he's a blow. Joe Gomez hurts their defensive depth, but that's about it. Milner and Jones hurt their midfield depth especially with, with Keita and, and Elliot out. So they've basically got four fit midfielders. They'll have to pick three to start and have one off the bench. I assume Thiago's the one who starts off the bench. They've got three real options up front, plus Origi and Minamino. But they should still have enough. They should still have enough to go and win this game. They beat West Ham both games last season. Mm-hmm. They're unbeaten in every competition. I think they're 25 games unbeaten across all competitions, um, including the last 10 games of last season, which, you know, is is a pretty impressive record. Real Madrid is, was our last loss, is, is it not 20? Yeah, Real Madrid's the last loss Liverpool had. 
Um, and there were strange circumstances around that game as well. I I think Liverpool should have enough in this game. It wouldn't surprise me if West Ham won. It wouldn't surprise me. Uh, I think there's a strong possibility of the draw. Well, put in context, if West Ham win, they go above Liverpool. They go above Liverpool, yeah. And they could potentially finish the weekend second, mm. uh, depending on how the City-United uh, game if works draw, out. Yeah. Um, but I think Liverpool will have enough in this game. I still think West Ham will finish the weekend in the top four. Because even if United win, West Ham will have better goal difference, unless Liverpool hammer them. Yeah. Um, even if Arsenal win, West Ham will have better goal difference. I think Liverpool win the game 3-1. I'll go 3-1. I think Salah's due a little bit of madness. I'll go 3-1. Mm-hmm. But I think it's going to be a really entertaining game. I think this could be one of our harder games of the season so far. Same. 100%. 100%. After Chelsea and City, I mean, they're the, they're the fourth best team in the league right now. Mm. You know, and you can say it's fake, you can say it's only 10 games, but the bottom line is they finished sixth last season. They're continuing on that good form. They could very easily have gotten top four last year. Remember, only two points off the top four last if season. If didn't get injured, yeah. Yeah, probably would you know. Yeah. The lack of Lack of depth hurt them last season, and they addressed that this summer with Alex Kral in midfield. They still need more. They still need three or four more players to, to fill out that squad, and I think they need three squad players, a centre-back, midfielder, and striker, and a, and a starting left-back. But aside from that, I think it's a, you know, or even a future starting left-back. doesn't have to be someone that comes yeah, in and starts Cre- away. Creswell plays a good... Creswell's um, solid. I mean, he's a passer, solid player. He? He and he, yeah, he's a really good passer to the ball. Mm. Um, but the fact is, right now, they're playing him Everything. far too often. Yeah. I think he's played 14 games like, already. Even, this they both played Masawaku and him last night, so Masawaku yeah. was clearly not trusted at, at left, at left back. Yeah. So they've got, to, they've got to address that. But four squad players, one or two of whom could become starters, and I think they're, they're in a really good position. So I, I like this West Ham team. Uh, Moyes has really really turned that club around since coming back, um, especially since, you know, the COVID stoppage and what he's done after that. So this is no fluke that they're in this position. And um, I just think they're up against a team that are that are better than them. And man for man, Liverpool are a better team. But on the day, it could be anything. But I'll go, I'll go 3-1 Liverpool. And that's our last game? And that's it then. That is us for the week. We will see you all on Monday. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the games. Don't do anything too silly. Stay safe, whatever you're doing. And uh, enjoy. Bye-bye. Network.